Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello! And welcome to Science Faction 608! Science Faction HIV and COVID. Choose your poison. Oh, I thought this was more like uh, the CDC decided to lock their two biggest enemies, COVID and uh, HIV, in the cell next to each other, not thinking that they would hatch a plan. Yeah, to it was a cage match, but then they teamed up and just escaped. It's like a buddy comedy. Yeah, they they were in the uh, CDC's. We could have done a lot more to prevent this ward. <laughs> Both those diseases, along with every disease of a person of color. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, what was it? Gonorrhea is getting out. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's uh, getting out. Uh, turns out he's going to go do the Tuskegee Project. He's going to be out. Like, he doesn't get to spend time in this horrible place for government mistakes anymore. It was gonorrhea, right? They gave they gave gonorrhea. No, the United no, States no, government no. Gave... That, is, that is an exaggeration. They didn't give anybody anything. They simply did not use known anti... During the course of the Tuskegee experiment, antibiotics were developed. They weren't known before, and they were developed, and so they could then treat things like gonorrhea and syphilis, and they chose not to. They didn't infect anybody with it. They just did not give them treatments that were readily available, which is unethical in many ways. So what were the Tuskegee experiments? Just you go out and find out a bunch of people have something and then like, just like, let's just see what, let's just see how gonorrhea yes. ravages their body 100%. and not tell yeah. them. Yeah. That's what it was. Okay. Well, when you're in your explanation, it just seemed like you, you shined a little bit of the evil off no, of what like they I said, did. It's, it's terribly, like, un- oh, it's terribly evil unethical here. to not treat people when you have a cure to their disease and you just necessarily, you watch them suffer and eventually die. Like that's incredibly unethical. But it's a different thing than I gave them the disease. So all right. So basically, like like uh, in this, there's this big hospital thing. They go uh, everybody. Uh, the, everybody's going through their their checkups. But if you go to this hospital and you have gonorrhea, they send you to another hospital to get your checkups from then on. Is yeah, that how it went? yeah. They basically monitored them and then didn't do shit while they just like, oh, it turns out that after this many years, you, your brain starts getting disintegrated inside your skull. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, that was probably the least racist thing the government was doing at that time. And speaking of the least racist thing the government is doing, I, of course, am your host, comedian archaeologist Robert Timothy. With me, as always, is the second most racist thing the government has ever done, Mr. Damien Mercado. Damien, how are you doing this afternoon? That's right. But don't worry. I'm going to catch up to you, redlining. <laughs> I'm going to catch up to you and slavery. And <laughs> I'm only the second. Wow. Yeah. That means that means I'm above redlining or slavery. Both, actually. Uh, you are. <laughs> yes. What? Yeah. Yeah. Is number one like something more like uh, like the mental backflips people do when a black athlete uh, takes one knee to protest criminal justice reform? Nope. Like uh, how I, like uh, how they stand up and yell, it's for the troops. They're disrespecting the troops. Uh, no, not at all. I totally would have enlisted, but I would have knocked out my drill sergeant. Also, I had diabetes stage two at 16. No, number one is government subsidization of sunscreen. <laughs> yeah, Bobby, you get to write off like 20% of your paycheck every year for sunscreen. <laughs> uh, dear, by the way, uh, shout out to everybody out there. I'm so sorry we missed last week. I've, I've been just insanely busy doing field work. We actually recorded a short episode to put out, and it was I was so busy, I literally couldn't even ep- edit that short episode. So I just threw uh, one of our Patreon episodes up as a, as a freebie in the meantime. But I am so sorry, guys. I have quite literally be do- been doing like 10 to 13-hour days 
for the past nine straight days. I actually took a vacation from one job so I could work crazy hours of another job and try and get uh, an entire field season crammed into one week, one uh, Saturday to the following Sunday. And I managed to actually do that. I got a superhuman amount of field archaeology done in an incredibly short amount of time. And unfortunately, the uh, recording and audio suffered. So my apologies for missing that. We still have a Patreon episode in the can that hasn't even been edited that I got to put out, put together too. I am way behind, but uh, I'm sorry, but that delay is over and we are now rolling back to regular weekly science faction. That's your fault that the last one didn't come out, Bobby, because uh, it just had to be like five minutes of, or maybe four, not even that. Yeah. Like if you, if you condense it all down, got rid of all the filler, just two minutes, uh, maybe a minute 30 of messages, sure. that you decided to invite old Damien to that, yeah. to that party. And guess what? We got out to Tangent City. We, we, we. We got kidnapped by Damien and we were taken to Tangentville and the final episode was like, like, even though it was just, it had no science facts, no science information, yes. it was like 10 minutes plus. Yes. Yeah. So uh, my apologies about that, but we are, we are ripping and rolling and going again. And uh, my, my apologies for field delays. This is one of the problems with having your science host be a field archaeologist is occasionally that motherfucker has to go out into the desert and live out there and work for, for every waking hour of sunlight. I think we all wish that. Uh, you studied a better science, but I mean, you know, you're the science host we have. Yeah, you know, we you're can right. sit here no, and, I mean, that, and beg for Dr. Novella. I, Damien, I didn't mean to study only what they might call big dick sciences. And I didn't. <laughs> getting into archaeology, like, yeah, sure, you get into it for the poon and the the celebrity <laughs> and like those, you know, those special tables that they take you to in Italian restaurants that you see in Goodfellas when the mobsters walk. Yeah, you get into archaeology <laughs> for all of that. How many times is Bobby, as an archaeologist, <laughs> eating sushi off a naked body <laughs> as part of a as part of a sexy behind the scenes, eyes wide shut corporate? Uh, uh, let's win over this archaeologist. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of stuff like that, and uh, I concur. You know, it would have been great if I could have gotten into like. Like a, like a physics or a chemistry where I could, you know, come home to my family after a day of being inside and all of that stuff. But some of us with that big dick energy, some of us do have to just go out into the world and fuck that world, Damien. Yeah. It just shows Bobby using a live rattlesnake as a condom <laughs> on one of his things like, ah, yeah, <laughs> this is the fucking I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, dear. Let's move right on to science articles. From molecules to particles, this is Science Articles. By the way, uh, don't ever read your wedding vows in that voice. Like, I, I promise to love and honor and cherish you. <laughs> Get down on that ass. <laughs> Third caller right now gets to tap in and watch me please my lady on opening night. Third caller. Science Faction 707. Oh, dear. Indeed. So article number one, using CRISPR to cure HIV. It's only been a matter of time, right? C CRISPR is the uh, the skeleton key for, for so much stuff. Maybe. I'm, I'm glad we're finally getting this article. Maybe. And this is an interesting one because I, I think we've talked a little bit about CRISPR's potential for curing diseases before. And oftentimes people will think that the way we're going to do that is somehow unleash CRISPR on the disease or something like that. And that's a very difficult thing to work in terms of uh, uh, that methodology. But 
what is doable and what is, as you're going to see in this paper, very realistic in terms of CRISPR helping us fight HIV is CRISPR being part of the lab techniques we use to understand how the genes in HIV are working so we can then attack it with something else. So this is a really, really interesting article about exactly that process. We've talked about CRISPR before. It is basically a natural tool that we stole from bacteria and it would use it to fight against bacteriophages, meaning viruses that infect bacteria, it would release this thing and it would go cut up those viruses. And so we found a way to use this to basically do genetic engineering, cut and clip certain parts of the genome and change specific genes. And it gives us a fidelity to change those genes in a way we had nothing like before. I mean, we had some kind of genetic therapies. We could take out big segments, do this and that. But this is it is the difference between looking at a picture from one of the first digital cameras, you know, back in the late 90s with the single CCD chip to looking at something from, you know, a modern iPhone or something in terms of the fidelity difference between previous technologies and CRISPR. Yeah. I mean, you could shoot a modern day pornography on an iPhone. Yeah. Whereas like you, you could have on the previous phone. It just, you know, it would have, it would have dated itself. I would have thought I was watching like a Pamela and Tommy Lee thing. <laughs> well, HIV has obviously been with us since we believe now, since about the 1920s, but it's been a huge pandemic problem for the past few decades. We have talked uh, briefly about some of the very, very few people cured, actually cured of HIV, including the Berlin patient, which was basically a complete replacement of the bone marrow in a leukemia patient who also had HIV, and the bone marrow creates the T-cells, and they used a T-cell donor who was immune to HIV naturally, which, by the way, is a thing in about... 5% of the population, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but it was incredibly expensive, very, very dangerous for the person, and not a feasible thing to scale up. We've since done the same thing, basically, again, and uh, that has also worked out to be a cure. But it is very expensive, very dangerous, and certainly would not be the way we try to go after HIV in your average person. Now, you might be saying, but what about the drugs? The drug regimen seems to be really good. We see people now living normal lives, and that is true. But that is a treatment, not a cure. And if those people stop taking those drugs, the disease will come back. And so this is something where we need to think of a way to solve the problem, not just keep treating the symptoms. I have a question about that because we live in a country that, you know, you could have diabetes, the most American of all diseases, yeah. arguably. You could have diabetes and, you know, you still have to ration your insulin yeah. in order to survive. Yeah. Just because the cost, because we have a government that allows us to... It, that allows companies to fleece dying people. Sure. So if, if you were on the drug regimen that prevents HIV, you mm -hmm. have to take it preventatively, right? Yeah. So, I mean, like, that must be like, so, hey, you know, I'm saving up all my uh, drug medicine. I have a I have a bachelor party coming up. I'm going to be taking it all then. Like, how does that, how do you ration your anti-HIV drugs? Well, okay, so you have to take it every day. Every day you have to take a huge amount of pills. I mean, we, we think of this as being a simple thing. Oh, we figured out HIV. It's easy to treat. No, 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 no. It's, it's a tremendous amount of medication on a daily basis. And the answer to that is you have to have good insurance. Okay, so only rich homosexuals get to live. Understood. With it, with with HIV. No, no. Teachers and civil servants have very good health insurance, Damien. That's right. You're right. You know what? That Vote union. You don't need to be wealthy to go ahead and live your life awesomely. Like we said, so this isn't the case of we're going to release CRISPR on HIV itself. It's we're going to use CRISPR to figure out how the genes of HIV work. Now, 
we've looked at HIV before and tried to figure out what genes do what, but previous tools, think of them more like a volume knob. You could turn genes down or up and it wasn't that precise, whereas CRISPR is binary. You can turn genes fucking off and on. And so by doing so, it allowed us to do some experiments. Okay, let's turn this gene off. All right, let's see what happens now. Let's do this, let's do this. And in doing so, we were able, using that technique, to discover almost 50 genes related to HIV infectiousness that we had not previously known, just with this simple CRISPR knockout technique. So now, we already knew 47 genes that were related to infection that we reconfirmed and found 50 new ones. So now are we going to use CRISPR to go after these genes? No, 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 that's very complicated. And we could try and attack CRISPR when it comes into the body and HIV cells, but unless you guess every single copy of the virus, it's not going to work. And well, there's a lot of reasons that's not a good uh, way to try and fight this. However, what we can do now is say, Look, if we alter any one of these 80 genes, 40 of which we knew about, 40 of which we didn't, if we alter any one of these genes enough, or we add a chemical that changes the functioning of what's going on here, i.e. these genes in there for usually T cells, these things in T cells code for this one binding site that HIV needs. So if we put a drug in your body that stops that one binding site, then we stop infection. And so this is the way that, that CRISPR is really going to be a powerful tool for fighting diseases, is the ability to do lab work where we can do individual specified very very specific knockouts gene knockouts see the effects and then try and replicate those effects in vivo utilizing chemicals i.e drugs don't get me wrong i'm still happy for crispr i just kind of thought crispr would go in and uh you know edit it in my to my genes like an anti-hiv gene just as um just as that guy behind the alley told me that uh he gave me something a crispr uh variant that prevented uh syphilis so this leads to something which is, you know, how long is HIV going to be with us? It's been with us now going on 100 some odd years. And the question is, will it be here 50 years from now? Damien, do you think HIV will be around in 50 years? Yes, I do. Mainly because it's proven to be a, a, a very difficult disease to master while there have been a lot of strides forward. Uh, but two, there's a lot of HIV in the third world. Mm. And I don't picture yeah. that happening. Anytime soon. So that, that is kind of my distinction, too, is I think it won't be around 50 years from now in first world countries with modern healthcare systems, whether it's, you know, drug prevention or we come up with a vaccine at some point, whatever it is, I think we will have that figured out probably sooner than 50 years. But I also think, just like Damien does, that that is not necessarily going to be a generosity we we extend out to the rest of the world. I think that's going to be, this is very expensive. We got this for our people, but maybe you guys should stop fucking. Bobby, think of the shareholders. <laughs> Will you not think of the shareholders? They are getting screwed constantly in this world. Very, very cool news. I love it every time we take like one step forward. Like it, I kind of feel like as much of humanity is divided, especially right now, and there are wars and stuff, like we can all agree to be on team people against HIV. Like team, well, unless they live in a country that's not profitable, you know, to sell to. In which case. I was going to say that ironically, uh, you know, with the war going on right now between Russia and Ukraine, Russia also for a while did seem to be on team HIV because they shot down the plane with like a hundred of the top HIV researchers in like 2014. So like R Russia actually might be the one country that's on team HIV. Now, I, I think you're I think you're giving Russia a lot of credit. They're actually like I think like the uh, like the Steve Urkel or something of the international community. Basically, they're there for hijinks. <laughs> oh, did I and, like, do they're that? They're there to like. Yeah, like they're 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 obviously they're not a background cast character. They're a main they're a main <laughs> I, cast character. I've invaded and I can't get out. 
They've shot down the fucking AIDS plane. Did I do that? Oh, no. You know, for all you've given me shit about my Happy Days references, you are referencing a show that is almost equally as old. <laughs> what? No. Happy no. Days was a generation before I us. Think, I think Family no. Matters was on when we were kids. Happy Days was 80s, like mid-80s. Family Matters was mid-90s. That's only a 10-year difference. But meanwhile, both were on many decades ago. <sighs> you know what, Bobby? I, I only watch it because Carl was a cop on the show and I backed the badge. <laughs> Uh, dear article number two, mechanism behind COVID mortality discovered, and it's basically a rattlesnake bite inside your body. Ah, see, we had, this is a callback to using that rattlesnake as a condom. Yeah, <laughs> only this time the rattlesnake didn't come. <laughs> Bobby, I'd love to see your archaeology version of Jackass, like, hi, I'm Bobby, and this is the rattlesnake condom. Oh, God! Follow me around for a day in the field in certain desert places and you will see like I there are places that I work in where I just know automatically like, oh, I'm working in this area. I will get at least 100 cactus pokes today. And I got a brutal fucking jumping choya cactus attack this week that like stapled my pants to my leg and left me incredibly bloody. Couldn't you wear like chainmail pants? I'm sure that's not disadvantageous in a desert. Yeah, I wear incredibly thick 511s. They're about as heavy. It does not matter. It will cut. It'll cut through boots. It'll cut through everything. Choya is a motherfucker. I, I just think you know, like like Crusaders wore fucking plate mail. Yeah, in the Middle East. Yeah, that. I, I just think like there's something you could that do. That might work. It'd probably get under the plate mail. It tends to sneak under stuff pretty easy. And I will tell you, jumping Choya is a bitch. Like there are cactus out there, and they're fine. They're they'll kill you. Like a barrel cactus will kill you. If you jumped on a barrel cactus, it's got like two inch spines. It'll fucking kill you. But it's a respectable cactus. You keep your distance. The barrel cactus keeps its distance. Everybody's happy. But jumping Choya, that's a jerk cactus because jumping Choya, the way it works is it drops these little balls of hell and those it's in sandy environments and the balls go underneath the sand so you don't see them. And you're walking, the needles go into your boot and then on your step up, they fly off your boot and get you in the leg or the ass, sometimes in the back of the head. It is horrible. And unavoidable. Like, you can't see. You could be you could be like very far from any cactus, and if there are jumping choya balls under the sand you can't see, you are getting fucking poked. I think the problem here is your awkward walk. I think, like, if you were to take some cool classes, like a hitch-style mm -hmm. thing, where you were taught to kind of, like, Saunter seductively... through the desert. Yeah, through the desert, yeah. you'd be fine. Or, like, in Dune, how they have that sandworm walk. Okay, so in this walk, are, are the back <laughs> of my legs not going up? Because that's really the only thing that... I, the only way I can see this working is if I have some kind of push-slide way of walking where I just kind of push off my back foot and slide forward alternatively so I don't have to ever pick up a foot behind me. Well, if okay, the dance can work if you're moonwalking through the desert. Oh, yeah. That'd be fine. If I could sea walk through the and desert. Then, uh... <laughs> Bobby, please let me get a video full, of you sea walking through the desert. archaeology gear, camelback, loaded out. <laughs> I'm also curious, like, an alien's coming to Earth, and unless Bobby learns how to seawalk in one year oh, uh, and destroy all of civilization, can Bobby seawalk in one year? I seawalk right now. Uh, this is a goddamn you relying on the audio medium of this podcast to say that. See, watch. Look at me do it. Whoa. He's doing it right now. Oh, my God. It's so good. <laughs> Eat that, Snoop. All right. Article number two. <laughs> So this is an interesting new discovery on what exactly is killing COVID patients. Now, a disclaimer, there are many sources that's killing COVID patients. We have pneumonia. We have blood oxygen and breathing issues. We have... Uh, Disinformation. <laughs> we have... Let's face it, that's a huge one. That's Yeah, we have uh, cytokine storms. We have a bunch of stuff. 
However, there is something that was discovered this week that is super interesting. That is that in a study that looked back at blood from patients who both died of COVID-19 and also died just before the COVID-19 outbreak, you know, basically to use as a control group, they noticed one glaring difference, which was levels of SPLA22A which is a chemical that we have in our bodies that we use to fight off bacterial infections because it kind of fucks up the cell walls of bacteria. We have it in very, very small amounts. However, in large amounts, it destroys our organs. It basically just shreds them from the inside out. It's actually a very similar, if not identical component to one of the active enzymes in rattlesnake venom, hemotoxic rattlesnake venom, that also basically breaks your body down from the inside out. It just destroys the, uh, the the cell wall of each yeah. cell, melting each cell, deflating each balloon. Yes, yes. Is that what it does? Yeah, and and you know we when we see what it does in terms of uh, you know COVID death rates and stuff, in general, I think it's like uh, I forgot it was like I forgot what the actual units of measurement was, but it was like we would expect. 0.5 units of measurement per certain amount of blood level uh, in your average person. And that's what we found in people who didn't die of COVID infections or people who are part of the control groups. But for people who got COVID and died of COVID, we saw many of them had 10 to 20 times that amount of this particular enzyme in their system. And it's basically just destroying your body. It's eating it from the inside out, similar to if you had gotten bit by a hemotoxic rattlesnake. Huh. So, um, our body has an all-natural organic rattlesnake venom inside of yeah, us. Well, I mean, rattlesnake venom is also all-natural and organic, but yeah. Not if you get the Walmart kind. Yeah. The Walmart, <laughs> Walmart. Walmart rattlesnakes, which are GMO. Walmart brand rattlesnakes. <laughs> they, have a, they have like a cybernetic eye or whatever eye should be. <laughs> Why would anyone do this? <laughs> when you have Walmart money, the Waltons became the richest family in the country for one simple purpose to create robot rattlesnakes that eviscerate the popul- population. <laughs> rattlesnakes have been the theme of this episode. This is, uh, this is uh, we're, we're the science faction Diamondbacks today. <laughs> I prefer the Southern Pacifics. <laughs> you would. Yeah, way more badass. <laughs> I like, I'm, a, I'm a Cobra man myself. I stick to, I stick to the uh, old world. <laughs> yeah, they found that many of the patients, when they looked back at those blood levels, they found that many of the patients who died from COVID-19 had some of the highest levels of this enzyme that have ever been reported in human beings. So basically, this is a good sign of what is happening with a lot of people. When we talk about multiple system organ failure, this is likely what's going on, is your organs are getting fucking destroyed by your body's overproduction of this particular enzyme, thinking that it's probably a bacterial infection, trying to get it rid of it, and some kind of you know snowball effect. It keeps pumping out more and more until you find yourself 20, 30 more times as much of this, this enzyme in your body as you should have. And instead of helping you beat COVID, it fucks you up. I can't help but thinking as you're talking like uh, that this, uh, uh, you know, whatever happened to that gentleman who wrote into the show saying he was going to quit our Patreon. That's right. Uh, because we didn't focus on quote unquote real science. Like ivermectin. And I'm just picturing, yeah, I'm picturing this guy's organ shutting down <laughs> and like the ivermectin's doing nothing. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Let's try another enema. Very, very interesting. Thank you, audience, for coming back for Science Faction 608, where you learned all about how we're using CRISPR to cure HIV and how COVID is basically a rattlesnake bite inside your body. Thank you so much for joining us, and come on back next week for Science Faction 609. Dear Mr. Choya Jumping Cactus, I see you've held out your end of the bargain. (laughs) I've enclosed the agreed-upon $100. (laughs) Please, 
Continue your assault against the archaeologist, Robert Timothy. You've been listening to Science Fiction. Wait, that's not right. Thank <laughs> you.